Hi, I'm Adam Williams, and this is the Humanity Podcast. Today I'm talking with Lucas Colon, who is the founder of Struggle Creates Strength, a mental health advocacy organization based in British Columbia, Canada. He's also a podcaster, a traveler, and a former semi-pro hockey player. In this conversation, Lucas and I talk about the power of story, of sharing our stories vulnerably and courageously, and even publicly, so that they can help others. And in that way, he and I are aligned in the purposes of our podcast, me here with Humanitu, and Lucas with his podcast called Struggle Creates Strength. And you can find that on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and at strugglecreatestrength.com. Now with me, Lucas shares his story of mental health struggles as a teen and a young adult who was coming up in what often I think could be described as a hyper-masculine kind of culture of competitive ice hockey. In time, he found the courage to face his fears and make his struggles known to his team. And we talk about the fears that he had in doing that and how they responded to this show of vulnerability. We talk about the rocky and sometimes dark road that ultimately led Lucas to launch Struggle Create Strengths and what his intentions with that are. We also talk about how he finds joy in life these days, among other things. As always, show notes and links from today's conversation are at Humanitude.com. You can connect with Lucas through the page there for this episode. You'll find his website, his podcast links, and social media links all there. All right, onward. My conversation with Lucas Cullen. Lucas, welcome to Humanitu. Yeah, thank you for having me. Lucas, there's something that you say in the work that you do, and it's something that I say in the work that I do, and that is that everyone has a story. Okay, so you also are a podcaster, and I look at what I do here with Humanitu as uh, being about facilitating vulnerable sharing and compassionate listening and taking care and interest in those stories. So I'm wondering what everyone has a story means to you. What, what is it that you're really saying when you say that? Yeah, it's actually a great question. I... So when I think about everyone has a story, where it ultimately stemmed from was basically that everyone has struggles. And I think that everyone, everyone's story and everyone's path is so different than the next person's. And for myself, when, when I proclaim that everyone has a story, it's saying that no two stories will ever align. No two stories are ever going to be the exact same because no two people experience the same thing the exact same way and i think within the mental health world that's where it really came into play especially was because when i say that everyone has a story and everyone experiences struggles i i'm ultimately saying that their story and the struggles that they encounter and the ways that they overcome them that's their story and it's the same as the next person. They have their story. And we all have our story. We all have our paths. We all have our struggles. And I just think that every single person in this world has a story. Because we're all living. We all go about our days. And we all, we all create experiences. And we all create, create a story in our life. And that's ultimately what everyone has a story means to me. To me, it's ultimately just saying that Every single last person has a story. So often what I think 
we attempt to do is look at other people, look at at least what we perceive from the outside to be their story, to be their successes, uh, to be their accomplishments. And especially in the world of social media, where we can look at this curated presentation of it and we get down on ourselves as if we're supposed to match uh, and identify ourselves somehow against that or in line with that as if that's what we're supposed to reach or supposed to be or how we're not being enough. Unfortunately, that comes in place of recognizing and honoring really the stories and the uniqueness that is within ourselves, that, that is our own story. I think it's really easy for us to get hung up thinking about who or what we should be. Like we, we should ourselves into these positions and, and forget that we're, we're good the way we are and, and offer a lot of value just in that, right? There's real liberation in just recognizing that about ourselves, that we have our own story. We're writing our own stories and it's all good. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, even within saying like everyone has a story, I think that's again, where you almost, you get to individualize people and you get to actually just acknowledge that we all do have these different paths and we all move at different rates. And there's no, there's no sense in stressing over where we're at in our life or where other people are at in their lives. Because essentially the only the only path you should ever really worry about is your own. And that's ultimately, again, where it does come back to everyone has a story is because if you're constantly, like you said, in comparison to everyone around you and where at these, like the rates that everyone else is moving, you're, you're just going to lose yourself. And ultimately that's not what we want. We want to continue to find ourselves rather than, than losing ourselves. So. Yeah. I, I love how you just put that. And, you know, I don't know if this is about who I read, what I listen to, who I'm around, but I feel like the words story and narrative have almost become like buzzwords. I think they're just so out there right now in the way a lot of us communicate. But that said, I use the words. I love the words. I think there's a lot of value in it. And my hope is that people, when maybe they have tend to not to understand the value of themselves and their own story that really with those words, maybe they're starting, I'm hoping that they're maybe starting to tap into this idea that, yeah, I have something to offer, something to share. My vulnerable share is worthwhile and it can be beneficial to others and, and just so on that, that people recognize the value of their experiences rather than trivializing them or, or just dismissing them. Really that it's, we all have something to say something to offer and and mm -hmm. it's worth being mm -hmm. heard uh, no absolutely yeah 100 percent. i mean one of the biggest things that i always even try and shine a light on and get people to acknowledge is just that like, it's so cliche but we are 100 percent writing our own storybook and i mean that's even a great way to use a story right there but we we're in charge of what happens next we're in charge of what's happening now and we are like, again, I guess we are, um, we are our own author and like, that's so, so cliche to say, but it's so true. And that's even what I've taken into my own everyday life. And what I try to always, again, push on other people is that it's up to you what you want to do. And yeah, there's going to be risks involved. Yeah. There's, 
there's going to be times when it gets stressful and there's going to be ups and downs and that's life. And that's, that's the whole point of it. And even when you read a book, if it was all happy and all great the whole entire time, it probably wouldn't be that great to read. But if it has its ups and downs and you don't necessarily know what's coming next or there's these, these leaps of faith that happen in the book, that's an interesting book. That's a book you want to read. And all, like in the end of it all, what basically happens is you reach the climax of the book and it's, it's incredible. And it's what you were hoping for or maybe something that you didn't expect. And I think that's even in life what it kind of comes down to as well is that there's going to be all of these ups and downs throughout life, throughout your Throughout a whole entire, even a week, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be great things that happen and some poor things that happen. But at the end of it all, if you're always pointing yourself in the right direction or at least just following the path that you want to go down, then you know that you're going to be, you're going to be better off in the end. And you are going to reach that, that climax of your life at one point and or maybe you won't, but at least there's going to be a great story to tell. And I just think that's an amazing way to go into life is always realizing that this is your story that you're telling. Every single action that you take is your story. And you're just adding more and more pages and chapters. And um, I just, I really do think that, I think that we can, I think that we can really create something amazing when we when we forget about the judgment forget about even forget about the the outsider pressure from the people around us or even seeing how other people are succeeding i think if we just focus on where we want to be and who we actually are then our story at the end of it all is going to be exactly what we want it to be or something close or maybe far better and that's i think that's kind of like I love when people use narrative and story uh, personally, but yeah, that's kind of my whole take on that aspect of it. Yeah. While I tend not to go with trends and fads, you know, this is a thing where when it's authentic, there's an authentic connection for me. These are the words to use. They have this meaning. I mean, if I went with a different word that means the same thing, I'd just be using a synonym. So <laughs> what's the point? But even if we look at the way Hollywood writes stories, right, this is what it's all about. It's the ups and downs of life. It's the story arc. We are the heroes in our own stories. And it's those uh, falling down moments and the transformations and the resilience and how we rise up and we grow and we learn and change. This is the complete and an effective storytelling um, of our lives. Okay, so we've said all of that really for me to come to this. You have your own story. You are the founder of Struggle Create Strength. It's an advocacy organization for mental wellness, uh, mental health, and you have your own experiences with uh, mental health challenges and struggles and learning and growth. And I'd, I'd love for you to, to walk us through that. Tell us, Lucas, what, what is that story mm -hmm. of yours? Absolutely. So I would say for the majority of my life, I've always struggled with mental health. Um, I, I, never, I never really knew what was kind of going on, um, but I knew from a very young age that there was just little things that, were, that were, would bother me. And there was, I, I would encounter a lot of anxiety, never knew that it was anxiety, never even knew what anxiety was. 
but, and I would always just, I'd push that stuff aside. And then when I was about 14, I think it was about 14. And that was, this is when my whole entire mental health journey changed. And so I was 14 and I remember I had a friend, a friend who was super close to me and started saying that he wanted to end his life, that he was, he was thinking about it and basically was sending me, like, I remember there was a, a couple nights when he would send me photos of knives and basically being like, I'm going to, I'm going to take my life. Tonight's the night. And obviously as a young kid or a young teenager, that really takes a toll on you. And that's not something you ever want to be a part of. And I just remember that it affected me in more ways than I even knew to even explain to myself. And I remember just the aftermath of that was, was really tough. And I, I kind of like, I fell into some sort of a depressive state and I don't know why, but it just kind of, kind of happened. And again, I started pushing things aside and kind of as, as that year went on, I started figuring out that I was really struggling with some depression. And again, I just wanted to isolate myself so much from everyone. And I think at at that age, you should really be trying to hang out with people and, and form some great relationships. But I, I wanted to isolate myself. And I was always somebody that did love to be around people, always had a lot of friends. And I would just, especially at lunch times, walk out into the field and just sit there by myself. And that was so unlike me, not, not even close to my personality. And it was at that time when I knew something was wrong and I was constantly sad and then still would always push it away. And then I started to lash out a bit, started to sneak out of my house, was ultimately, I think, just looking for attention or looking for somebody to ask me what's going on. So then I could explain how I was feeling, explain these struggles that I was encountering. Never, never really happened. I would get in trouble for sneaking out. I would get in trouble for for lashing out but never once was i really asked what's going on or looked at under any form of a microscope on the mental health side of it and again i just kind of kept going on with life and when i was in grade 10 so i was about i guess 15 16 i i was just things just were really off for myself and was still encountering some of that some of that depression and I, I don't know how or why I thought it was the right thing to do, but I, I basically turned to self-harm. And I, that first time that I utilized self-harm, I just, it's the feeling of basically taking the pain away with more pain. And that's how I utilized it, was that the more pain I suffered from a self-harm standpoint, the less pain that I would experience from a mental health standpoint. And so super twisted, but that's how I looked at it. And that's how I utilized it. And obviously it didn't fix anything. It's basically like putting a band on an open wound and, or putting a band, putting a bandaid on an open wound. And I would just, I would use that. And once things would kind of heal over for myself for a little bit, then I would, fall back into a depressive state, and then I'd do it again, and then again. And 
I just remember I was, I was so ashamed that I was doing it, but at the same time, I felt that it was, it was the best way for me to cope. It was the best way for me to deal with my struggles. And it was the only way that I could do it without anybody really seeing anything or knowing anything. It was just one of those things where I'd lock myself in my bathroom at night and that's what I would do. And basically that, that kind of went on for a little, a little while kept experiencing these mental health, uh, like all my depression and anxiety and everything. And then, um, when I was, when I was about six, so later when I was in grade 11, I moved to Calgary for hockey. And when I was in Calgary, that the first few months I was the happiest, happiest and most driven and motivated I'd ever been, I'd ever been honestly left, felt like I left a lot of my mental health struggles behind me and was just killing it from a mental health standpoint, from a physical health standpoint, from a hockey standpoint, everything just felt so in my rhythm. And then I ended up getting injured and having to go back home. And that played a huge detriment on my mental health. And it ultimately turned things right around. I, again, just started lashing out a little bit, not, not overly though. And just was in a really weird headspace. And over time I I started to notice how my mental health was really not good. And I finally figured that it's time to reach out to someone because I know that the self-harm is going to turn into something a lot more severe. And I, I could see that within myself and I knew that it was coming. So I reached out to somebody that I trusted, somebody that was close to me and told them what I was encountering, the struggles I was going through. But then even then, no actions were really taken. It was, it was great for me to speak up to that one person, but after that, nothing really happened. And even for the next, for the next year, nothing really happened. I, I didn't really do much. I ended up going back to Calgary the following year for hockey, still encountering a lot of my struggles, still battling a lot of a lot of things even without me cluing in on them. I would just there'd be little things that would trigger me and all of a sudden I'm in a depressive state. I'm encountering severe severe anxiety. I'm lashing out to the people that I care about. It was just such a downward spiral for myself and even to see myself go down that and not to understand what's going on and not to know what to do next was really frustrating because like I said, I was always such an outgoing person with a lot of friends and very happy, always, always had a smile on my face. And that's how I've always been. And to, to almost have to force that really sucked. And then from there, I, from there, I ended up getting injured again and then getting in a car accident right after. And that was in, so still while I was in Calgary that year, and this was my, this actually my grade 12 year. And so I wasn't able to go to school, which sucked. And I didn't go to school for about a month and a bit. I also wasn't allowed to play hockey and I was forced to still be in Calgary where obviously I had my team, but I wasn't allowed to go to the rink. So I was basically just by myself for a month and a bit and that obviously drove me crazy I think it would drive most people crazy but I was just I was so in my head and just constant thoughts and didn't know what I wanted to do next where I wanted to go and 
didn't know if I was going to get better, feel better. Felt like it was just a never ending journey. I was getting really frustrated. And I was also just experiencing some really severe depression. And there was even one night I remember walking around, walking around Calgary until basically all throughout the night until like 5 a.m., just all by myself, just walking around, not even, didn't even know where I really was and was just so, so lost and entrenched in my own thoughts. And that's when I, again, just really realized like what the heck is going on in my brain? Like this is just not healthy. This is not good. And when I came back after the whole season was over, after everything was done, went back home and I actually, before that, I I ended up realizing how much I was struggling. And what I ended up doing was actually flying back home to speak with my parents and tell them the struggles I was encountering and the depression I had, the anxiety, everything in between, the self-harm, just everything. I needed to put it out on the table. I needed them to know so then I could take the right steps. And when I came home was when I started seeing a counselor. Started seeing a counselor and a therapist um, quite often, honestly. I just almost, it basically started off with like two to three times a week. Um, and then from there, it just kind of, kind of started to become longer. And then once a week, two times, um, or like once every second week and then so forth. And then I, again, I still, I was encountering some, some, I utilized self-harm again, and that wasn't a proud moment for myself, especially after being almost like a year and a bit out of not utilizing self-harm and so to kind of slip back into that was was really stressful and frustrating and it honestly made me more depressed than I already was and it was just such a such a battle and a constant back and forth battle with myself and I remember even when I was when I was 17 18 I went back I was um I went back to Calgary again for the following year and I just I was a mess. I was such a mess. And I remember just calling my parents and saying, I need counseling here. I need counseling. I need to be seeing somebody. I was just having panic attacks, like having to pull my car over on the side of the road often, just because I was encountering these severe panic attacks for no reason. They're all just, I think, stress induced. And I was, again, I was just, I was such an emotional and mental wreck. And I didn't know, I didn't think that it was ever going to get better, to be honest. And I just was kind of taking it as it was and trying to do everything that I possibly could. And I chose to leave Calgary for my mental health and because I wanted to be back home and be surrounded by people that I cared about and people that would support me at all times. And I just wanted to feel comfortable again. And when I came home, things were pretty good for a while. and then they weren't and then they'd be good and then they weren't and kind of so forth. But then actually last year, last year was my last year of hockey or we'll go back one more year. So I guess when I was 19, um, 19 turning 20, this is when kind of like my whole story really shifted and it changed and it changed my whole life. So 
a person that I deemed as my second dad, who is also my dad's best friend, he, he ended up passing away. And that was a big eye opener, obviously for myself and for my family as well. But it was such an eye opener for me just from my mental health struggles. Cause I realized how short life can be and how there's been so many times when I've thought about taking my own life. And I saw how this person passing, how it really affected and impacted so many lives. And I just, I sat there and was obviously frustrated at myself for even thinking about taking my own life in the past. And um, I also just, again, realized how short life was and how I need to live for myself and I need to figure out how to love myself. And so right after that, I ended up um, breaking up with my girlfriend at the time who I'd been with for about three years and, or I guess just, it was over three years. And that was something that I just had to do for myself, for my own self-worth and to allow myself to grow and find myself. And then from there, just kind of one thing, I thought I was on the right path. Like I thought every every part of me pointed in the right direction from that point on. And then I it didn't. And I started drinking way too much. It was every single weekend was just excessively drinking just to, again, numb the pain, numb all the, the things that I was encountering. And, and then one night, I just remember it was just a wreck. All of it piled onto me. And something so small, when I look at it now, happened and it it set me off and I lost my mind and I just remember diving into the drawer the knife drawer at my own house and I was like this is it and I basically said like bye to my house and walked out the door and just remember walking out and I was just an absolute wreck and just started started obviously using the knife and I like cut up my face my wrists it was it was just something that was, it's like, I can replay it so vivid in my mind, but it's so weird to even think that I was at that point when I look at it now. And that night was really tough though for myself as well, because um, it was my ex-girlfriend actually that she was calling me like crazy. And she found me on the this road that was near pretty close to her place and so she like hiked up and found me and when I went to the hospital and that was like such a game-changing moment for myself being in that hospital I remember I was beyond embarrassed and that was like for some people it's it's different but at that moment I was nothing but embarrassed I didn't care about if I was in pain I didn't care about what I looked like I just was so embarrassed that I was even sitting there. And that's when I realized things need to change. And I started seeking professional help very often, but still was still was devaluing myself, especially from a relationship standpoint with this person was just, I, I thought that I was valuing myself and I thought that I was doing what was best for me. And I truly, truly wasn't. And I was letting people walk all over me. And that's, Again, something I, I don't ever want and I don't ever think anyone should ever have happen in their life. And from there, I just, 
I kept realizing that I need to be doing something more with my life. I need to, I need to figure myself out. I need to actually learn how to love myself because it's such, I would hear it all the time and people are like, how can you love someone else if, if you can't love yourself? How can you, how can you go through life without loving yourself? How can you go through life without appreciating yourself? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I just do it. This is what I do, I guess. And I just, I didn't understand what it meant to, to love myself. Cause I would even have people that would ask me if I did. And I was like, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. Like, what does that feel like? And that's when I knew that something was kind of off as well as, cause I was like, I, the fact that I don't even know what it feels like to love yourself is very wrong. And I want to know what that's like and that, what that feeling is like. And, um, so I started taking steps started taking some steps for myself and basically started standing up for myself. And the biggest life-changing moment that ever happened to me was I quit hockey, which I'd done for years, played semi-professionally at it. And I quit it to go travel. And that's that was my thing. I said, if I ever quit this sport, it's to do something bigger and better than myself. And that's exactly what I did. And I went off and I traveled Unfortunately, COVID threw a bit of a wrench in that one um, at the end of it all, but I still got to travel for just over two months and got to experience a lot and see a lot. I got to, I got to ultimately just see, see how basically just appreciate what I had back home and appreciate the things that I do have and really appreciate all those little things in my life. And I mean, although while I was traveling, I was still encountering a lot of mental health struggles. I was, I was embracing it and I was really trying to make the most of it. And I was still, while I was traveling, I kept thinking about how all these people say, yeah, go travel. Like you'll find yourself. I had this moment while I was traveling, I found myself and I was, I was longing for that. I was waiting for it the whole entire time while I was traveling and it never happened. And I was frustrated. And then when I came home was when I was like, okay, I get it. And that's when I was, I was like, okay, I know what I have to do. And I finally feel like myself and I, I want to help out more with my family. I want to do more for the people around me. I want to appreciate people more. I want to value those friendships and relationships that I have a lot more. And I want to stop taking things for granted. And Ultimately, that's really what kickstarted my whole entire self-betterment journey. And still, obviously, there was some ups and downs and really trying to figure some things out. But from there, um, I kind of went throughout the summer and it, it was great. And I started seeing, I started seeing someone um, in the summer and an amazing person. And I was beyond happy, probably one of that like one of the most solid relationships I'd ever encountered and I ended up walking away from it because I knew that I had to be alone and I knew that I had to value myself for a little bit longer before I could give that to somebody else because I want I needed to build myself up even more than I already had and that was again was when I was like okay I'm changing like I'm really really finding who I am and so from there, I just started brainstorming as well, because I, I was even thinking about my story and my past and thinking about where I'd been and what I've done. And that's ultimately when I was like, you know what, 
these these people everywhere are encountering struggles and struggles just like mine. And I know that my story can help so many people. And I still, there was like that part of me as well that was, I was still felt like I was in a rut and I was, um, I was still at this point where I was like, okay, yeah, like I have this great story and this, this, all these different things that I've picked up along the way, but how do you, how do I get from where I'm at now to like exactly where I want to be? How do I get to that? And so like, that's actually when I turned to podcasts and I was just kind of searching and searching and searching and I was like, okay, like where's somebody's real life story? Like that's all I wanted to hear was somebody's real life story that was similar to mine. And I want to hear how they went from where I'm at now, or even from like the worst struggles of their life to like the success story. Like I just want to hear that story and just realize that I can do it. And I guarantee you if I would have looked harder, there would have been some, but I'm really thankful that I didn't because that's ultimately how I came up with struggle creates strength. And obviously that even that slogan of everyone has a story. And it's because I realized that my story is so much different than everyone else's. The whole, the whole journey, like my story is not the exact same as anyone else's and it never will be. But I also know that my story can help a lot of people. And I've, I've been such a kind of like such, I I don't want to say like a public figure, but um, somebody that a lot of people have known and especially have known me to smile and that's, and be happy and be the outgoing person and be kind of like the life of the party per se in every situation. And for me to kind of come out with my story and share my story and create struggle, create strength and give people a platform to be themselves and share their stories that's what was so empowering and that's what kind of allowed a lot of people to jump on board at right at the right right off the bat was because they realized that hey there's there's no real shame in having these struggles like these struggles are real and these these struggles they happen with so many people and what i really wanted to show people and why i dove so deep into my own story and basically laid it all out on the line for people to see is because for a long time, I think I was really ashamed of all of the struggles that I'd gone through and all the ways that I coped with my struggles. But now I use them basically just as a reminder of how strong I actually am today. And I mean, even from that moment when I chose to share my story, that was a great pivotal moment for myself. And since then I've grown immensely and have constantly continued to grow and like now I've transitioned into I've really transitioned into a 100% like complete complete 180 of a life and I'm even from that that person that started this this podcast I am I'm so much different and so much better off and it's like now I now I I don't drink I I'm caught like just I take my met or my mental and physical health so seriously. I'm always valuing myself. I'm not afraid to to speak to people. I'm not afraid to speak up about any of the struggles that I'm encountering to to call out the things that bother me, to be smart and really just connect with new people, to, to take leaps of faith and actually just constantly value myself. And I'm not a I'm not afraid to 
to show love to myself and express how much I love myself because this journey that I've gone on has been the most insane. When I look back on it, it's really hard to even say that that was my life and say that this has all happened in my life because it's happened in such a short period of time. And I can't help but obviously take pride in in where I'm at today and even doing this podcast right now. It's I never thought I would be doing this. And I think it it came from it just came from a lot of hard work and a lot of effort and a lot of of a lot of really tough days. And I mean, obviously I owe it to every last person that stuck with me through all those struggles. Also those those people that I went and seeked professional help from and just just every person that constantly, constantly just believed in in me becoming better and find like actually finding myself and and appreciating me through all of it, no matter if it was good, bad, and no matter how I treated them, just stuck with me through it all. And I think that again, it's just that's kind of I guess that is my my story in its in its length, if you will. But it's absolutely went off on a tangent there. <laughs> but um, that's that's my story essentially. I appreciate your sharing your story so vulnerably mm-hmm. and with courage there. And there's a lot of questions from all that that I guess I could ask, <laughs> but I'm going to focus on this one because I'm really curious that when you went home to your parents, how did they respond? You're in this hockey culture. How did they respond to the players, your teammates, the coaches? How did everybody take, um, you know, what you were saying and, and what happened from there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I actually... It took me a long time to really open up fully to people. Um, my coaches, they understood. I basically, I basically just said I wanted to fly home to talk to my parent or like to deal with some personal stuff. And I, they knew that it was mental health related, and I, I think I even brought it up a little bit, and they were very supportive about it. They understood, which was awesome. Um, but then my teammates, I only told a couple of them really kept it under the table for the most part. Um, I don't know why personally, I think it was just one of those things that I kind of did, but over time, even over years, like over the years, I, as I started to speak up about my, my mental health struggles, they were all very supportive and not every last one of them understood, but they, they never once looked down on me for anything. They never, like they all just kind of took it. And I mean, obviously when you, when you express your mental health struggles, I think you have to be like in a setting like that anyways, I think you have to be somewhat confident in your ability to speak up about them or else it will break you down (laughs) beyond measures. And um, I think that was something again, where I kind of, I took it, and I went with it in the terms of, hey, this is what I struggle with. Don't treat me any differently. I'm the exact same person that has struggles. And from basically, I am the exact same person, regardless if I have struggles or not. And who you knew me as 
is exactly who I am. And I had struggles at that at those exact same times. So you knowing doesn't make me any different. And that's kind of how I took it. And that's kind of how I expressed it to people. And every last one of them supported me through it. Um, the, the really tough part was when I, the really tough part was when I was hospitalized because I was actually in the midst of, um, our hockey season. And so my coach handled it so well. He, he was the best, like, I just literally, I can't thank him enough for basically the way that he responded and the way that he acted and what he, he allowed me to do and how he truly allowed me to just take some time for my mental health and, and ultimately figure my stuff out a little bit. And that obviously was amazing. And then my teammates, even in that, some, not every, not all of them knew. They knew something happened, but they didn't exactly know what happened. And I was pretty, I was pretty open with it. But at the same time, even at that point, I was, I was pretty guarded for the most part because that was, that was something that was fresh and raw for me as well. And I was still trying to figure it all out. So there was, there was a select few that knew the full story in its length. But for the most part, I kept it pretty quiet. Um, but when I did come out in, um, like in October with, with this whole platform and I expressed all the struggles I'd encountered and everything in its full length, I had so many of my past teammates reach out to me and just basically say, I had no idea, but I have so much respect for you. And that's honestly all the messages I got, I was just overwhelmed by I was it was insane and I was super humbled by them all because all it was was people saying how much they respected my vulnerability and my my strength and courage that I possessed in sharing my story and sharing every last detail of it and even just like I kind of did here is I shared basically almost every detail of it and um, on my podcast that's exactly what I wanted to do is dive right into the full length of my story so people could grasp a good understanding of of the struggles I went through and that it can get better. And that's what I wanted to show is that you can be way, way down here and you can get up here. It just takes some time and some effort and a lot of support from people. I'm thinking of how, you know, uh, hockey as a sports culture, and, and I'm an athlete formerly myself and I've been in the military in these cultures of masculinity that are about toughness and hockey of course is a sport that is about so much toughness and grit and it sounds like they really did respond positively to you that they at least took in what you were saying and there was a caring response yeah I I think the the way it when I spoke about it very good, very like awesome. But I think the tough part, and like you said, in these environments where it is really masculine and you're, you're taught to be tough and it's always like that, that suck it up mentality. And that's how, that was what held me back so much from embracing basically who I am today, like embracing this, this super vulnerable side and um, fully embracing all my whole entire past and all the struggles I encounter 
was that I felt if I spoke up, people would look at me less than I actually was. And people would deem me as weak. They would, there was this crazy fear in my head that I wouldn't play as much because I was struggling. Um, I wouldn't get put into tough situations and tough, close games because um, they would worry that my anxiety or my stress would ultimately make me crumble in situations like that. I was, I was, par- I was basically walking through life paranoid the whole time I was at the rink because I didn't want to give anyone a glimpse of the things I was encountering because no part of me wanted to be deemed as weak. There's no part of me. And that's, unfortunately, that's how it was. And I think even to some degree now, it's still how it is, is when you struggle, it's, it's really tough to be open about it because you don't want, you don't want people to look at you any less than you are. You don't want to like so bad because Basically, when you're in that situation, you almost look at your struggles as flaws. And I don't, I don't think that they are, personally. I don't think that your mental health struggles are flaws in any which way. And I mean, for myself, my struggles have given me the life that I have today. And I absolutely am blessed by that. And so I think that's something, again, where for people that are in the, those tough situations... I think it's so important just to fully embrace it because I think there's even more strength in speaking up about it than holding it in, but it is tough. And yeah, like in my situation, I just felt that it was so difficult to speak up and share it. But when I did, the reaction and the response was remarkable, which I don't think it is like that in every, every situation, like I said, which is unfortunate, but um, in my in my circumstance, I was pretty fortunate. It certainly continues to be a problem. I think, uh, you know, across all matters of of the human landscape, but especially maybe for athletes, because they're in an arena that are well, literally and, and metaphorically, where we the public are viewing and its physical prowess, and if it's a physical thing, somehow it's accepted. If there's an injury, oh, well, this person can't play. But the things we can't see, the mental, the internal, suddenly it becomes a very different conversation. And it's one that requires empathy. And for some reason, despite us being humans, watching humans play their sports, somehow there's a disconnect. And it's as if we lack collectively the empathy that sometimes is required to allow space for people to also have uh, you know, face anxiety and, and the mental health challenges that they do. So it's, I think, really important that you share these things. We have other professional athletes out there in the world that occasionally come up. Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, not long ago, Naomi Osaka, the number two women's tennis player in the world. She withdrew from the French Open because of anxiety and was punished when she needed to create mental space for herself by not talking with the media and they wouldn't allow that. And that became a whole thing in terms of sports talk and mental health conversations. It's important that, that these stories are shared. And so you are doing that with your podcast, Struggle Creates Strength, but it's more than just a podcast, right? There's, there's more to this. So will you tell us what, what is Struggle Creates Strength? What is this about? What is it you're doing? 
Yeah, and like that's that's such a good question, um, but obviously it can become tricky just just because I I don't even like what I did at the start is I looked at struggle create strength as just a platform like I always identify it as a mental health platform that allows people to be vulnerable and allows people to um, basically embrace that vulnerable side of themselves and really normalize the topic of mental health. And what I've really seen struggle create strength do and become is a full blown environment and even a community that just really allows, allows people to express the most vulnerable side of themselves and really express all the struggles that they've encountered in their life and all of those things that might have held them back from being exactly who they were. And I mean, like you, I get, it just, it blows me away. Um, the amount of people that reach out and speak about how the stories have impacted their life and changed their life. And, um, even in some cases save their lives. And that, that's just like, that is incredible. But again, it's just, it's 100% solely because of all of these people that come on and share their story. And that's even something that I always say is like, yeah, I'm, I'm one person. I kicked it off by sharing my story, but from then on out and to where we are now, it, what it is, is like, I just, I can't thank all of those people enough that actually decide to share their story. And every single person that comes on and shares their story is making the biggest impact, a way, like a far bigger impact than they even know. And basically what Struggle Create Strength is doing is really just allowing people to know that they can come on here, they can share their story, and that it's going to help other people. And then it also, for those that are listening, they get to come on and be like, okay, I get to hear some real life stories of some real people that have encountered some real struggles of any sort, or maybe it's not even struggles. Maybe it's just some form of a mindset, a mindset thing and how to, how they maximize the most out of their life. And, um, I think that's it too, is I go into my podcast with no structure at all. I go into all of my conversations with no structure, I just like you, like how you said is it could be, it could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour. It could be two hours, whatever it is. I believe that it's so important to, to keep them as real as possible. And like, that's something why I appreciate that so much from your end is because I'm here sharing my story and I'm expressing like the deepest parts of my life to you and to your audience. And if that was cut up and chopped and done all this stuff, then that's not my story in its entirety. And that's not how I said it. And unfortunately, some people do that. And that that's what really sucks. And that's where I want to come from mine is that it's just a platform that honestly, if it's too long for some people, then they don't have to listen. But these these people have stories that need to be heard, and um, like it just brings a smile to my face when people can share their story and they share it in its full length. And those ones that go on for an hour and a half to two hours, it's you know it's good. You know there's some real real stuff in there, and 
I, again, I just, I think it's just such, it's such a, it's such an open environment that has zero judgment behind any of it. And you just know that when you go to struggle, create strength, it's exactly what it is and exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's people that have encountered struggle and they found strength within those struggles. And that's kind of, it's kind of how I, how I look at it anyways. I have looked through the list of the dozens of podcast episodes that you have put out there so far. And I did notice something in common with many of them. And that is that they are many of the the guests that you have had are within the older teen to early 20s age range. And I'm wondering if that is a conscious choice on your part, if that is a demographic where you are seeing need. Uh, you know, that's both for people to share their stories mm-hmm. because maybe they're being overlooked on other platforms. And also, is that where there are people who are needing to hear from this age group? Is that a conscious choice? I, I don't want to put that on you. I'm just wondering if that's by chance or based on a need that you are seeing. Yeah, it's it was kind of a bit of both. And so the the reason why, like when I first began it all, I said that everyone has a story. And I said, the, the main reason why I stuck with that is because it never limits me to, to saying that it's only men. Like this is an, a thing for only men. It's a thing for only women. It's a thing for only teenagers. It's a thing for only um, early 20s. Like when I said everyone, I truly mean everyone. And so I have had people obviously from different age groups, but yeah, like you said, it, it definitely seems to be right around that that late teen, early twenties sort of, um, age group. And it wasn't something that I anticipated on happening, but I also did expect it to some degree. Um, just given some of the people that I know and my audience, um, starting off and where it was kind of branching out to. And I've had people on that are in their thirties and then obviously down to their younger teens and, it just kind of happened, um, but I'm always looking to add new people that are like I'm never like yeah I'm gonna stick to this age group because I don't I don't necessarily believe in that I believe in going all over the place like I think it's important to hear from people of all different age groups and hear people's stories from different eras of life and I just it's it's how it's happened and I do like you said I do think that it's great that it is targeting this younger this younger era right now because 100% especially with the social media social media world it's it is tough it's really tough for a lot of people and you see their mental health deteriorating a lot and i think if you can go onto social media and you can see somebody that's of similar age actually embracing their 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 vulnerable side of themselves and obviously who they actually are i think that's that's very powerful and that has proven to be very powerful but yeah i i'm not i don't really i don't be like yeah I, okay you have to fit this certain criteria this certain age group i just how it kind of happens it happens and um i'm i'm just i'm pretty open with all age groups, because again, I just, I think every single person's story has the potential to help someone. 
I want to shift gears here and ask about what it is that brings you joy in terms of self-love and peace and where it is you've come to now from those years of struggle. Yeah, so it's funny because now what what brings me most joy is when I actually overcome um, struggles. And it sounds very twisted, but it's it's true. And I I'm very into um, very into running right now because it's such a great way for myself to actually put myself through a lot of struggle because it's 100% up to me, how hard I push, how hard I go, what I feel, what I experience, what I think about. It's 100% up to me and it's just me. And I think that's, that's, what's pretty cool. And honestly, what I've, what I've seen and what I've proven to myself is that I can overcome a lot more than I think I can. And I, I use running obviously just to prove to myself um, how much pain I can put myself through and then see how much strength I gain from that and how much appreciation for myself I gain from that and how much pride I gain from that. And I also just take that into my everyday life. And I, I look at that and I look at what I overcame in that moment and be like, okay, well, think about how much it really sucked when you're running up that hill and you want it to be over, but you push through and you kept pushing and you push and you push and you reach the top. Think about that feeling and think about all the pain that you encountered getting to that point. So then now when any little thing kind of comes my way and something bothers me, I'm like, Lucas, come on, man, you're so much stronger than that. Like if you can, if you can encounter this physical pain, you can encounter this little, little bit of a, a mental pain or a mental struggle. And I mean, that's just, that's just one piece of it. Another piece that I really do is I've just, I've began, I began pushing aside, obviously a lot of judgment, but also just by having conversations with people that I never thought I would have conversations with. And typically it's strangers. I find there's a lot of power to be had in that. And you learn a lot from that. And it brings a lot of joy into your life just by having conversations with strangers. And I mean, I'll meet some random person, God knows where on the street, something, and I'll just have a full blown conversation with them. And even just asking them very deep questions right off the bat of meeting somebody is so powerful. I mean, one of the questions I always love to ask people is, um, what's been the best part of your day so far? And because they, nobody really knows that off the top of their head, they have to think about it. And it, it gives you a great way to connect with people. And when I get to connect with people is when I really start to find who I am. And I start to realize how much power we have and the basically the ability of happiness that we can bring into people's lives just by having a simple conversation with them. And for me, seeing other people happy makes me happy. And seeing other people smile makes me happy. Just being able to connect with people on every last level makes me happy and i mean i i've learned i've learned again to appreciate myself in so many levels and appreciate especially my physical health obviously with the running and um with a lot of working out and training and um not drinking anymore following a a nice healthy diet and um it's it's like all these little things that I've kind of done for myself 
that have allowed me to find myself and allowed me to really come into tune with how I feel every day. And if I'm having a rough day, I'm I'm like, okay, I got to, I just got to figure it out. Like it's, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. And I used to crumble when I would encounter certain struggles and I used to basically plant myself in my bed when I was encountering struggles. And now anytime I encounter a struggle, I'm like, okay, well, like, what can we do? Let's go on a hike. Let's go on a run. Let's go do something. Let's, let's get out. Let's go for coffee with somebody. Let's meet somebody. Let's just have a conversation with somebody. I think ultimately what I've done is just build such a toolbox for myself that anytime I encounter a struggle, I'm like, okay, like what tool are we going to use today? And I really just, I try to listen to myself so much, but I also try to push myself um, far, far outside of my comfort zone so that I'm, I'm always expanding and I'm always growing. And I, th- I think that's just, that's kind of how I, how I find my joy is, is by really pushing myself so far outside of my comfort zone that I can't help but feel proud in myself. I know that you are someone who considers this question, who am I really? It's something that you have put out there uh, on social media. You've talked about it. it it's a, a question on your mind. And I consider that to be a matter of something at the heart of a spiritual practice. I don't know if that's a way you would express that, words you would use, but that's how I look at it. And so I'm curious as to where you stand right now, uh, understanding that our answer at this moment might very well and and likely will change uh, as we continue to develop and to practice and figure out the answer to that question. But where do you think you are right now with that question of who am I really? First off, love that. Absolutely love that question. Um, So this is actually, this is something I think I, it was over time. I kind of just started to obviously fall a lot more into um, coming into tune with myself and my spirituality and, and my purpose, especially. And I think it's, it's really, I think it, it definitely takes time to figure out what your purpose is, obviously for everyone and everyone's different. Like, again, (laughs) everyone's path is so different. And for myself, I never, honestly, I didn't know what my purpose was going to be, what I was going to do. But for the past few years, I would always say that, you know what, I just, I want to do something with mental health, like in the mental health world. Like even when I was encountering the worst struggles of my life, I was always saying like, you know what, when I, when I come out of this, I want to do something with mental health. Like that's, that's my goal. That is exactly what I want to do. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. I don't know what I'm going to do but I'm going to do something that makes a difference in some people's lives. And again, I just would always keep that in the back of my head. And even when I first started this, there was that part of me that was like, yeah, this is great, but I will 100% be the first one to say, like, I didn't know if this was my, my purpose. And as time started to go on and as I started to figure out more about myself and I started to actually change my life and started to, find exactly who I was. And once I started to feel very in sync with myself, I was like, okay, yeah, I know my purpose. And now I 100% know my purpose and I value my purpose every single day. And I make sure that whatever I do in a day, I can look back on it and be like, yeah, I served my purpose in, in life today. And I served my purpose 
Um, basically, I just I always want to make sure that I'm following following my purpose. And my purpose is way up here, and I'm constantly on that path to it because for me, my purpose is to help other people and to use use and utilize my story and my past and all the struggles I've encountered and the voice that I have and even just the type of person that I am to make a difference in this world. And I used to even say, like, first one to admit, I used to always say, like, you know what, the world's a big place. Like, I don't think I could impact the world, but I'll at least I'll impact some people. And I mean, that's obviously still great. It's always good to impact people. But there is that part of me and that piece of me that truly believes that one way or another, I'm going to make a very big splash in this world just by serving the purpose that I know I have, which is really normalizing the topic of mental health, embracing vulnerable conversations, and using my story um, to really give people some some confidence and some courage and again, just speak up about their mental health. Like I just, every day, I just want to serve my purpose on this planet. And I, I don't think, I don't think we should walk through life and drag our feet around and, and kind of just live with no purpose and no drive. Like me personally, I'm very motivated, very driven, and I have goals and I want to hit those goals. And those goals come from my purpose. And I'm somebody that really doesn't care about money. I really, really don't care about materialistic things. But what I do care about is really seeing how many people I can help. And that's like my goal is seeing and striving to help as many people as I possibly can. Because at the end of the day, I know that's what's going to make me feel a whole hell of a lot better than what it would feel like if I was to be sitting there with millions and millions or billions of dollars in my bank account. Like I just, I don't see like, it, yeah, cool. It, it's great. But I just, for myself, I just, I don't see that as being it. Like I would much rather be broke living on the streets after helping millions and millions or billions of people, as opposed to sitting there in my luxurious house with millions of dollars and helping ultimately know people. So that's kind of my purpose, I guess. I think that the way that we change the world is by having that positive mm-hmm. ripple effect. Uh, you know, I have two sons and my wife, Becca, and I, we teach them all the time that how we act, what it is that we do has an effect on mm-hmm. others around us. So if we put positive energy into our relationships and into the things that we do, our interactions with any given person, you know, that has either the effect of positivity or negativity in the world. And through that, we can have an impact. You know, it, I might not be the one who changes the world, but I might be one who can positively ripple and touch someone else who touches someone else mm-hmm. who touches the person who does invent mm-hmm. the thing, create the exactly. whatever that does have such an impact that it changes the world. So I love what you're doing, Lucas. And obviously I really appreciate the value of vulnerable sharing. It's what I'm engaged in here with Humanitu. I, I thank you very much for coming here to share your story. What you're doing does make a difference. It is a positive ripple out there. And I, I applaud you and appreciate it and wish you well as you continue to do it.
Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I thank you for, for bringing me on and allowing me to share my story and its length. And it's one thing for me to share my story, but again, I think it's just, it's amazing to have you allow me to share my story and you putting it out there for new people to hear. And again, I, I just think that like, I'm not a, I don't understand why so many people tend to, to look at this as a big competition. I think it's just amazing when, when we can all share people's stories and share people's podcasts that are making a difference. Because again, it's, it's not some big massive competition. I think at the end of it all, I think we're in it for the right reasons and that's to, to help other people and hopefully allow other people to, to gain something from them. And that can be in every which other topic that there is. But I just think, especially with, with this, it's, it is going to allow some people to hopefully gain some, some help and um, maybe even just realize that, Hey, you know what? It's all right to share my story. Now I can, I can do that. Thanks again for being here, Lucas. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lucas Colin founder of Struggle Create Strengths. As I said up top, you can learn more about Lucas in the show notes published on the website at humanitude.com, where I've also published a show transcript. You also can connect with Lucas through the Struggle Create Strength website. That's strugglecreatestrength.com. The same name is used on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find his channel on YouTube too. I hope that you have heard something or many things in this conversation today that really ring true and, and are helpful to you. And if so, it'd be great if you spread the word and the love for the conversation, for the Humanity Podcast as a whole, because together we can shape the compassionate, creative, and connected world that I think we all want and frankly need. I'm Adam Williams, creator and host of the Humanity Podcast. Thanks for being here. 